When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair with three Mancunians and one Southerner. So let's start with a Southerner. Graham Reed, long time since you've been back on the show, my friend. Good to see you. Good to see you as well, Nigel. Uh, and two Mancunians. We've got Lee Warner. Hello. And Robert Barron, CTID. Hi. Good to hear you. Uh, listen, gentlemen, uh, over the last few weeks it's been a bit negative. You know, we have no defence without Vincent. Yaya's a lazy git in midfield and we're lacking goals. But suddenly, three clean sheets, unbeaten in five, and results, other results have gone our way, and we're still in three cups and one point off the summit. So we can have a very positive show. Let's start with the Southerner. Nice positive show. It's all rosy and sky blue in the garden. Well, yeah, it's a, it, is, it is quite good. Uh, we stopped conceding so many goals. Uh, Saturday, I was saying to Rob beforehand, we were both at the game, that for the first half an hour we slightly weren't very convincing. Once the goal went in, we were much better. But the big, big difference is the last two games, last two Saturdays, we've scored seven goals without reply to Premier League opposition with Fernando and Delph in the middle of midfield who are not the most gifted footballers Manchester City have ever had at any era. But what they do is they tackle and they run, which is um, the basic criteria. And it allows the superstars up front, whoever, whatever four they pick, uh, on Saturday, or, or, uh, obviously it was um, Silva the week before, it was Sterling and Aguero, etc., etc. And uh, it allows those four boys to go off and play, knowing that the middle two are doing the things that, that they want them to do. So there we go. Who would have thought, Lee, Fabian Dell, Footballer of the Year, is what Graham Reed's going for, I think. He's transformed our season. He's a very good footballer. I think it was, you know, it wasn't going to be a big shock to City fans once he got a bit of a, a run in the team and, and got past his injuries. Um, he was a very good footballer last season for Villa. That was the reason he got in the England squad. Um, you know, he puts himself about. He's a bit of a James Milner without as much of the attacking um, threat. But you know, the fact that he's happy to kind of come into the team and and you know, do his own thing in many ways and take on shots from distance when we're nil-nil and, and we need some spark of creativity. And he's, his interceptions were very good and he put himself out probably a bit too much at times, gave away a few stupid fouls. Um, but it's nice to see a player like that in centre midfield, especially given the fact that the past month or two people have been moaning about Yaya not really working in that position and maybe it's time we... Can only, if we play Yaya, it's only further forward up the pitch. So it's sorted. You, you drop Yaya and play Fabian and, and all four trophies are ours, Rob. I think that's what well, we're saying, I isn't it? The, it's, the it's, that po- it's that rosy. It's that it, positive. That is rosy and it is positive and, and hopefully it's true. But the first thing we should remember is that without Joe Hart uh, making a brilliant save within the first two minutes, uh, the game may have been very different. The second thing is I thought City looked fresh and uh, vibrant for the first time 
for, for some time. And I think that's because the, the midfield was uh, fresh and I thought Delph and Fernando played well. The third thing I thought was that City showed some vibrancy and an, uh, a willingness not to be um, bullied out of the game. And I, there was one particular moment when they scored the third goal where Silva had taken a very bad tackle mm. and came back straight away with a ferocious tackle himself, uh, which gave City possession. I feel this season too often they've, they've lost the first tackle, uh, but that, that didn't happen on Saturday, so, so it was very encouraging. Here, here. Look, someone that talks sense, Nigel. It's great. Well, it's, it's only his second week. He did quite well last week. We brought okay. it back. Where have, you, where have you been anyway? Well, You've not uh, been here for listen, weeks. The David Silver thing was spot on. He, 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 he'd fallen on the ball on the halfway line, right by the coaches. And I think he thought he was going to get a free kick. And they didn't give one. They gave a throw. And to be honest, he was going to whack. He'd either get the ball or get, that, get the lad who'd done it, the, the ward, the fullback for Palace. Unfortunately, he got the ball and we scored the third goal. But... Um, Definitely, definitely, there was a freshness. There was a lot more pace. I think credit to Silva because one of the things he doesn't get credited for a lot is his work rate mm. and tireless effortlessness. Even when he's having a bad game, he didn't have the best game for about 60 minutes. There were some stray through balls that just didn't work out for him, but he kept on going. He won the ball for that, led to the goal, and then all of a sudden he's got the fourth and it's, he's, had a, he's had a good game. So he's one of those players that we kind of rely on for, for those performances where you need him to drag us through it a bit because to be honest the first 20 minutes it, it was a bit shaky and if <laughs> and it, you know that, that goal really should have been saved the first one the second one's the deflection so I think we, we don't want to I, I want to be positive obviously and it is a positive performance with 1-4-0 but you don't want to pave over the fact that Palace gave it a decent go and, and can probably feel a bit hard done by that it was 4-0. I don't think it was a 4-0 scoreline. And, and we can't not mention two double, a double negative. We can't not mention Aguero either, can we, Rob? Because, I mean, we, we've said before that it takes him a couple of games to really get back to his sharpness. You know, could easily have had a hat-trick and was really unselfish with the way he just squared it for Silva to, to, to score the fourth. The fourth goal was majestic. It just uh, crowned the afternoon. I thought he played very well. I thought Ihinacho uh, linked up very well with him. And that, that was encouraging. But one thing I'd like to say is, for a long time, I didn't understand why Pellegrini was called the engineer, because it wasn't clear to me that he, he, he engineered when, when things were going wrong. And the last few weeks, I've seen uh, him change the team at critical moments to a positive benefit. And he did that again on Saturday by, by bringing Yaya, the much maligned Yaya, on. And immediately it made a difference. So I thought that was good. Are you falling asleep or nodding in agreement with uh, Mr. Barrett? Sadly, <laughs> twice in a row I'm nodding in agreement. So that's really good. Yaya is obviously what we discussed this last week, Nigel, on our way on that M1 um, about Yaya Torre would easily be in our best ten footballers Manchester City have ever had. There is obvious. I don't think I don't think anyone could say he, he's he's anywhere near the player he was two or three years ago, but. He's still very important because he can control the football better than... We've, we've been great about Delph and Fernandinho when he plays and Fernando on Saturday. But none of them have the ability to control and pass the football. And what, what Torre is brilliant at is taking the ball anywhere on the pitch. Whoever's around him, he'll take it anywhere. And when we're winning 2-0, him, for him to come on and chase and our team were chasing the game, it was perfect. There was a little bit of time for him to control. And he had a great 30 minutes, but all the hard work had been done, had been set. 
and, and credit as well, as you were saying to Pellegrini, because I can't think of many times when when Yaya hasn't started a home game for us. Uh, literally, two, maybe two or three times in in the league, maybe not even that. So the fact that he's actually been bold enough to do that, you've got to give him a bit of credit because it did work to our advantage. We brought him on. Um, he had fresher legs than he would have had, um, and he could kind of play with a bit more of a freedom and not care so much about defending it uh, going back to your point Robert didn't, isn't his degree in engineering isn't that actually why he's called the engineer I think. yeah but he's supposed <laughs> to have a reputation for being able to influence games as well isn't and, that his job though isn't that what and, managers and, do and, and we're seeing it and the, the, one of the loveliest things about Saturday was to, to see City play without Sterling without Yaya and to see them uh, as substitutes which shows that rotation is working and that during a very busy part of the season the players are not being overplayed and the fullbacks oh. uh, go on complete the sentence and the fullbacks change round so Zabba good to see Zabba back hoo-ha we're very pleased with Zabba's he's going I, though you know he's going he's no leaving. he's not going he's going he's not going, no, he's no, going. No. I'm who does he live next door to for goodness sake he's <laughs> not going anyways Inter Milan back to Roberto Mancini at the end he's got a one year left on his contract heard it here first going to join Roberto it's the time to move in the summer. he'll be missed he'll beat his chest he'll kiss his badge we'll sing that song again but he's going it's the time to move rubbish on his performance, uh, he, I thought he was quite good. But first five minutes, that chance you said about the the header, I actually think it was Zab- down to Zabaleta. He kind of let his man turn, he was punching, get a decent crossing. But after that, he was he was pretty pretty commanding. He was good at Norwich. I thought he was really yeah. good at Norwich. It's just nice to have him back in the team. I mean, I, you talk about having like presence, play, players with presence, and he is one of those players. And he, he can have a bad game, but he kind of still battles through it. Whereas other players, one mistake, two mistakes, and, and their confidence goes. Can I just stick with Zaba for a second? Because we love Zaba. I don't. There's nobody in this room who does. Our engineer doesn't like him that much, but we all love Zaba. Um, and going back to your point, because I love the, your game about you know your kind of your. 11 favourite City players and your 11 best City players. And it's not necessarily the same 11, is it? There might be one or two who get... Now, Zabba has got to be in your favourites, hasn't he? He'll be in your favourite 11. Everybody's favourite 11 footballers. Yeah. So, so Zabba's in there. He's not in your best 11, though, is he, surely? Best right-back since I've been watching them in 1971 is going to be... There's how many great right-backs. So, but, well, you see, we'd say Tony Book, yeah. you see. We got uh, Rob Tony Book has got to trump him surely for that right right back spot in the best ever what fullback. That Plymouth Argyle stalwart. Exactly, in age ninety four when he made his debut. <laughs> he, he, Book Book was uh, remarkably resilient and, and and a very very good player. I, I think Zabaleta is very nearly up with with Book. Yeah, but you see, so you made the very nearly up with. He's not there, is he? Book Book's got to make it with all that he did for our club and all that he won. Well. Yeah, he wasn't a very good manager, though. I'm, I'm not, no, we're not, well, managers is another week. <laughs> you wouldn't remember Tony Book. I y- know Tony Book very well. Yeah, of course. You never saw him. <laughs> you <laughs> saw him with his, with his walking stick and his grey hair. I've met him in the past few years when he's been... Just... Exactly. Zabba, you're a big Zabba fan. Yeah, yeah, of course. He's a fantastic player. Fantastic servant. So, so what else? What else has changed then, Lee? What else? Well, you know, we've mentioned Ihenaccio as well, very briefly. I mean, good to see him start. Not started many. 
Um, obviously, he scored that late winner at Palace, so I don't know whether that had anything to do with his selection. But, you know, he shows great promise, the young yeah, lad. Yeah, it's really nice. And I don't think he'll get many more starts again this season, even though he did play well. It's just, I think, something Pellegrini doesn't really fancy giving him that much game time, maybe because he's, he's young. And we've seen in the past few years, Pellegrini hasn't given many of our young players that much time in the team. But he was really nice with Aguero. He moves really well. He plays with a freedom that Bonnie doesn't play with. Bonnie always kind of looks like he's overthinking what he's going to do with the ball. Um, whereas Ianacho just wants it all the time, um, moves into space really well. Uh, he just looks like a really, a really tip-top sort of fresh, creative player um, alongside Aguero. I mean, he's not going to be a player, I don't think, who's going to be starting 30 games a season for us anytime soon because he's still young. And I think they'll probably look to sign someone else in the summer to help Aguero if Aguero's going to you know, keep on having injury worries. But no, he's a good player. He's nice to have there. It's nice to see. But, but Rob, sitting there you know, at the weekend on Saturday in the Colin Bell stand in the snow, what, what gave you most pleasure? You know, there, I mean, it's not much better than that. Is it 4-0 <coughs> against the mighty Crystal Palace? What gave me great pleasure was hearing uh, Alan Pardew saying that if it hadn't been for the goals, then Crystal Palace... <laughs> uh, <laughs> would have been equal to City. And uh, it is a privilege to watch Aguero play when, when yeah, he yeah. is reaching his peak like that. And uh, it's, it's just thrilling to see. Our future England manager, Alan Pardew, words of wisdom. Is, is Aguero the thing that gave you most pleasure on Saturday, seeing, seeing him and, and the way he's back to his... No, his actually, school? what gave me the most pleasure, I have a godson who's six, who since the day he's born, like my own son, who's obviously Man City mad, as you know, I managed to buy him a Man City kit and I took him for his debut on Saturday and I was desperate for them to win and score so I could get him, you know, hook, line and sinker. And he told me on the way home it was the best day of his whole six years. Brilliant. We bought him a shirt. We, we spent... His poor old dad came, who doesn't really follow football, and bought more in the shop than, than, than was possible. <laughs> so I'd just like to give a quick mention to Henry. So Henry is now a, a... Are you Uncle Graham or are you just Simple Graham? I'm, so, I'm Simple Graham. Simple Graham. But he, he did tell me on the way, he rang me to tell me he thinks Abelette is one of his best ten as well. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know that uh, when you watch City, you, you look at the central defence for the last few weeks and it's an accident waiting to happen. And there was a small element of that on Saturday, but Otamende and Di Michaelis uh, look look a, a good pairing and there's some confidence coming back there so that's that's encouraging well, we weren't saying that a few weeks ago were we it's it's uh, all the press are saying that it's still it's still a, well a disaster not waiting to happen it's it is a disaster could, could i just say that when when crystal Palace have two very tall players at the back who came up to head the ball and when they did that city didn't work out that they needed tall players to mark them <laughs> And, you know, on three or four occasions, they won the header and were, uh, were unlucky not to uh, take greater advantage of it. So, so I think City are sometimes a bit naive when they're defending. I can't think of many tall players we actually have, though, when you think about it on the pitch. Fernando, Demichelis, there aren't many more. We've got quite a small team, really. Bonnie. Bonnie wasn't on the pitch, though. No, I know. But, you know, he's... No, I'm he, saying, can... but on the pitch on, <clears throat> on Saturday. Hernacho's not a, sh a short ass, is he? Yeah. He's quite slim, though, isn't he? He's not, he's not, that's you not didn't good. do weight, you did height. I mean, if you well, want to throw you know, weight right, in fine. as well, that's right. what you, you were doing height. We've so got two tall know. players in Kolarov and Yaya Torre who can't actually head it, <laughs> which is beyond, you know, it's like Peter Crouch not being able to head it. It's ridiculous, <laughs> isn't it? But that is the truth.
So if we go back, obviously Palace didn't, you know, didn't play that well, and I, I think I don't think we played that brilliantly, but we sort of you know, managed to sort of come out as four nil winners. Um, so can we go back to the Everton game then and, and sort of work backwards and uh, a slightly different lineup, but a very disappointing result. Um, let's not start with the penalty. Let's let's start. Well, sorry, it wasn't a penalty, but we'll. I'm sure we might discuss that, Graham, a little bit. Well, you as a referee, I think you might. might I think I've got a few. Yeah, yeah I've got a few. Yeah, yeah. of course I've. Yeah. So, so. Lee, well, I mean, kick, it was kick. the most blatant penalty you'll see all season. Uh, <laughs> Not if you sit next to Nigel. Please, it wasn't. please tell me you agree. When I've seen it slowed down four times, yeah. But when I saw it real time, yeah, in the, you know, well, I'm not saying, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, but it, you know, when you look back at it, oh, it's look back 100%. at it, no hundred percent, and I'm not, and I'm not questioning the referee's decision in terms of the referee is an idiot or anything like that. That you're trying to, you're trying to wean that out of me. He was. Well, that's yeah, maybe. Why do we name a stand after him then? I can't understand that. What, what's Roger, that? we've named a bloody stand at the Etihad after that referee. That, that's funny. got to change, I think, very, haven't we? Very funny. Uh, so, so Rob, I'm sure you've got a view. Uh, I looked at the rules about what the laws. The laws, yeah. Know. What constitutes a penalty? Because I knew you'd probably have read them before me, so I checked it out. And was it careless? Was it reckless? Absolutely. And uh, the the guy deserves disciplining for his failure to give a penalty. You, you know what the issue is, though. It's it's the fact that it was Sterling that it happened to, because Sterling has a reputation now. Referees aren't going to give him something that they might give David Silva or Aguero. So that's, that's really the issue. Sterling will, will rarely get a penalty these days because of people think he's a diver, end of. Reedy, give us the last word on the penalty, please. It was a penalty. Clear and simple, I said to you at the time, we were sitting next to you, uh, having played the game, Sterling did us all, I think. He got one touch and we're all out of our seats ready for him to cross it. So was John Stones, he was tackling him. And good luck to the lad. He got that second touch, having opened his body out, looking like he was going to cross it. And he did it. He did everyone. And uh, it was the most obvious decision ever, I think, that he got wrong. But there you go. That's life. And I, I don't think referees should, be, should have to come out in front of the press and defend their decision. Because at the end of the day, you, you make a mistake, you make a mistake. Players make mistakes, managers make mistakes. But he shouldn't, you know, be in charge of a Premier League game as the official the week after. Definitely not. So, Rob, you, you made this point quite soon after the game uh, in your sort of social media feed. Um, so, so what sort of punishments should be strung up sort of sort of you know hung drawn and quartered should be dropped for the rest of the season being, but being serious what, what what are you looking for for, well, for a referee if when you slow it down and look at it again and you realize actually that was a blatant penalty what what sort of punishment are you looking I for i don't think you need to slow it down to see to see it in personally i think if referees want respect and are to be treated as professionals then they should be treated just like every other professional and that is their proportionate sanctions when they do things wrong when i make a mistake uh, people can take me to court and I have to suffer the consequences of that. Now, uh, I'm not saying he should be taken to court or anything that you suggested, but I think he should lose the opportunity to referee a game the following week or after making a decision like that. Yeah, when players play consistently badly for weeks on weeks or make bad mistakes, own goals, whatever, goalkeeping mistakes, they will lose their place in the team. It's the way it works. Why wouldn't it be the same for referees? So what about the game itself, Reedy? We, we, we sat next to each other for the 93 minutes or whatever it was and uh, 
obviously you you were concerned having sort of been at the uh, the Norwich game together as well uh, and seeing the lineup change again you were disappointed even even at kickoff you know you you kind of predicted the fact that you know we had Yaya back in there we didn't have the sort of the pace and the and the bite in midfield that, that you were looking for and uh, how, how do you get over you've got to rest players you know we're in four competitions games are coming fast you can't play the best 11 every single week you know you've got to rest players so so how do we make sure that we get the right 11 there and also I just still sometimes think if you have a having been reasonably disappointed we went to Norwich and played well I know you make the point that Norwich weren't great but they're a Premier League team and they put out six or seven or eight regulars certainly in defensive and midfield positions and we dominated the game and played really well and the Fernando and the Dell thing worked now I'm not saying you shouldn't bring Fernandinho who's been our best player this year back or things like that but sometimes if it, if, if it ain't broke and all that and I think that the first time they played together they played really well Four days later, they'd not overly played Fernando and Delph, and I thought there was an opportunity to throw them back in, fiddle around with the... Your front four is where you need to fiddle it. The, the, the more you have a settled... Because we have so many stars up front, in, in whatever way you put them, De Bruyne, who's been disappointing, incidentally, for the last two couple of games. So you've got De Bruyne, and you have uh, Aguero, who's an obvious hit. You've got the Silvers, you've got Sterling. The, the options, Torre. Whatever four you pick is fine, but it's nice to think that the other seven members of the side, because you've got four, inverted commas, superstars, the other seven have got to work hard. You can't then carry another player who doesn't do his, probably his, his, his hard work of defensive duty. And I just, I, I just thought against Everton there was a chance for to stick the same back four or six players plus Joe Hart in there and see how you went. I, I saw your reaction, um, which doesn't quite work on radio, but, but I saw your reaction to the, the De Bruyne comment. Well, I, I, and he's an anti-De Bruyne man here. No, just so you know. no, yes, you stop are. it. No, you're an anti-De Bruyne man, and you, Rob, I know are a big fan. So, so just come back to Graham for me on the whole. De Bruyne has been very disappointing First the last all, few games. I think, broadly speaking, uh, Graham is saying some very sensible things. Uh, uh, it may be that De Bruyne is not absolutely at his best, but he's still a thrilling player to watch. He makes... Uh, creative opportunities all the time and he's a wonderful asset to the team even if he's only playing at 60 or 70 percent so lee this is how how do we what's your view in terms of how do we get over this four competitions we have to rotate at this stage of the season um and yet you know we had a, a winning formula at norwich do we keep that formula or do, or do we change it again well i think that the fact that we've had so many injuries up to this point has probably been a reason why well, Pellegrini is rotating a bit more now because, number one, he's worried we'll have injuries going into the running, and number two, he hasn't really been able to properly rotate because he's not willing to put in the really young youngsters, Brandon Barkers, Humphreys, those sorts of players, into the starting eleven. So when we've had all these injuries, he's kind of had to go with what he's got. So now that he's got a bit more freedom... I think that's where the rotations come in. I think it's I think it's uh, I think it's right to rotate, but I do agree with Graham in the sense that if you do have that solid core to your team, kind of centre halves and centre midfielders especially, then you should probably keep it unless something goes wrong. Um, you know, we all love Silver players like Silver and Sterling and De Bruyne, but sometimes it is better to rotate them and bring in Navas for certain games and let Silver sit one out on the bench because he's not always effective in every game. So that is where your rotation realistically should be. Uh, centre midfield, if, if, if you've got a solid central midfield pairing, yeah, I'd, I'd prefer to keep it. 
So, so let's look forward to Saturday then, Rob. 5.30 kick-off at West Ham. Yeah. In terms of, again, with, with rotation still in mind, you know, what, what team do you go for? How do you set yourselves up? Do we sort of have those, you know, is it 4-2-4 again? You know, what, what is it? 4-4-2 again? How, how, do, how do we line up? Well, I, I wouldn't play Ihanacho at West Ham to start off with. I'd play uh, a slightly more defensive game. Uh, and I would keep uh, Delph and Fernando in there because I think it, it looked really good. Yeah, I'd agree. I wouldn't, I wouldn't start Kelechi in this game because I think West Ham will be quite fiery at home. They've, they've been on, they just lost to West Ham, but they were, I think, running nine games without defeat. Um, they're, they're, they're an exciting team in their last season at, at, at Upton Park, so they're, they're playing good football, attacking football. They'll come at us. Um, I think first 20 minutes we really need to shut them out and make sure that we don't lose uh, control of the game early early on. Um, so probably I would play Yaya in behind Aguero as opposed to two strikers. Really, where are you? Fernandinho would be in my team uh, in place of Fernando purely and simply because he does a similar job and he's a better player, a bit more flexible. I'd have Delph and Fernandinho as my ideal middle of midfielders. Um, and then whatever four, well, obviously Aguero, whatever three picks. And I, the, the De Bruyne point is, I just want to just clear this up <laughs> for the final time. Last time I was here, I said to you, Sterling, De Bruyne, for me, it's, it's close. I know everyone else tells me De Bruyne, but it's close. Last week when against Everton, Sterling was good. He was the best player on the pitch for us, I thought. And he won us the penalty that wasn't given. And then Saturday I turned up and he's not on his side. And De Bruyne played, was he good? We gave him five on the way home, so, and I saw Manchester Evening News gave him six, so he wasn't great. I wonder what Sterling would have done, I don't know. All I'm saying is, I'm not sure there's a massive difference. I think the De Bruyne camp has gone, and I know all the, 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 the assists and the goals, I get all that, but sometimes you, no, sometimes you have to watch and see a player. You know, if I played for Man City, I'd score a few goals and assists because, because of the amount of chances they create. I mean, it's... Um, you know, I see Aguero today's 110 minutes for every goal. And Thierry Henry was 121. Now, Aguero is an exceptional footballer, exceptional. But if you had to pick Henry or Aguero, I know which one I'd go for. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> and you're the man who wanted, a few weeks ago, to have a Nottamendi shirt as well. You well wasn't he good? On, was, hold on. Man no. of the match against Everton, I see. <laughs> Are you still going for the Otamendi <laughs> shirt, though? And what does Henry have on the back I, of his shirt? I, well, obviously Otamendi. <laughs> so, uh, no, to be, to be fair, Otamendi's good. And what's, what's uh, a point that Rob made earlier about uh, the back four looking better, the middle two? Otamendi attacks the ball all the time. Sometimes you'll see him in, in areas where he shouldn't be, really. Uh, so he's not playing alongside his other centre-half. But when company plays, and Demichelis, because he's bright and obviously an intelligent footballer, despite the pace has gone, he just drifts in behind. Whereas when he plays in Mangala, they both attack the same ball. So that's when they look really poor. So Demichelis has made the difference, even though he personally doesn't look... look he looks slow, is what he looks, because he's, he's near, the, near the end. But at least his intelligence is allowing Otamendi to go and attack the ball, which, I mean, it, to be fair, he's a strong boy. You're an Otamendi fan as well, I think, aren't you, Rob? Absolutely. He's a, he's a footballing centre-half and uh, in the Tommy Booth tradition. Mm. 
So, uh, before we go, I'm, I just want to sort of, I sh- maybe should have given you some warning, but I'm not going to, and I don't expect you to come up with 11. But let's just think about favourite players and best 11 for City here. So, you're all going to have kind of a couple of chances to throw in names. And I'm going to start, I mean, Freddie Hill, I know, is your favourite ever Man City player, Rob. Freddie Hill was a remarkable player. He, he played for England. He played for Bolton Wanderers. He was signed by Liverpool. But the deal broke down because he had a dodgy heart. And when City bought him, he cost £12,500. He'd lost his legs, but he was the most skillful footballer, apart from Rodney Marsh, that I've ever seen. He did something called the Freddie Hill Shuffle, which confused three or four players surrounding him in a way which uh, I've never seen before. Now, he wasn't by that time a great player, but he did have... Uh, a, a, a wonderful impact for a short period of time. What year was this, Rob? Uh, 1970, 71, 72. I don't think many City fans would have Freddie Hill as one of their favorites. It's really interesting because I've sort of read this about you that Freddie Hill said. I'm just fascinated to hear you talk about it because he wouldn't be in, in my favourite Well, team. you know that City in the programme asked people to nominate mm. their favourite players. Mm. There was me and one other guy. <laughs> <laughs> But he's still going strong, and uh, on the show. Long, long, <laughs> long may he continue, Freddie Hill. So, so fa- let's have a favourite for you then. A sli- slightly more recent, I suspect. You're not going to go back to the '60s or '70s, I suspect. No, no. Um, Paul Dickoff was always mine. Mm. Um, just one of those players, wasn't he? he? Just gave everything for the for the club and left it all on the pitch. And I don't know. I just he, he's the player I remember the most when I first got into City in like sort of '98. Um, he's the player I remember the most. Just, the just didn't stop running. He chased every ball, and, and fans love that, don't they? You yeah. Know, just, he just ran after everything, chased everything. And obviously, is you know, is the part he played in in the Wembley. You know, he scored, scored a decent goal. Yeah, it was half yeah, decent, wasn't half it? Half decent. That goal, as they call it, that mm. goal until QPR, of course. So favorite, favorite. Uh, can you cap well, Freddie Hill? No, because uh, different eras. Obviously, Rodney Marsh to start with. Then it went to uh, Peter Barnes, who I loved. Yeah. Paul Dickoff would definitely be in there, as I said to you last week. And I loved Ali Benabia. I thought he was an exceptional yeah. footballer. I just loved him. Loved watching him. Same sort of thing. Quite old, but just came in and was just brilliant. Mm. And finally, now David Silva. They are my five players that I would... Uh, there'd be loads of others if I sat here for long enough, but they're five that are just loved through the eras. Mm. Exactly. Um, am I allowed a few? No. Absolutely. No, none. That's the end of the show. <laughs> Go on, Nigel. Well, I'm, go- I'm going to start uh, with Mick Doyle at, at the back. You know, for me, you know, he's kind of the Zabba of, of that day because, you know, he kind of, you cut him, he would sort of bleed sky blue. You know, as you said, you know, he'd come off with, a, you know, a gash leg. You know, no idea whose leg it was, but he'd come off with it. You know, and <laughs> he, he absolutely was, was tough as old boots. And I just loved him. And of course, the great Colin Bell, you know, I, I, he was, you know, God as far as I'm concerned and just was, was majestic in every way and couldn't put a foot wrong. I just love Colin Bell. Yeah. That's just two. Doyle was a wonderful player, but he, he, he was also quite naughty when it came to inciting United fans after he'd scored. Uh, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get away with that today. No. Well, he hated United, didn't he? And that's, that, that's a, a, a good feature as far as I'm concerned. Well, it really is a great pleasure to have all three of you here, um, the two Mancunians and Graham Reid. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Rob Behrens, CTID, uh, Lee Warner and Graham Reid. Thank you, gentlemen. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a playback media production served to you in association with Why Not Think People. Sports Social Podcast Network.